Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Pressure podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jake Barker. And just before we get started on today's show, just want to thank you all, the listeners, for jumping on board and showing your, your support to the podcast. If you're a long-time, short-time, first-time listener, um, we'd love to show you support. So jump on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and like, share, and subscribe, all those. And plus, subscribe to uh, the Under Pressure podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast that would be absolutely fantastic as we want to keep this uh, podcast growing uh, and growing a bit further now let's get on to today's show today's guest was drafted to Fremantle back in the 97 draft uh, before moving over to Collingwood in 2001 he played 155 games in his career and kicked 141 goals Brody Holland welcome to the under pressure podcast Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on, mate. I'm uh, excited to be on. It sounds like a, a fantastic uh, concept that you've got going here. Ah, it's fan- yeah. Thanks for joining us again. But yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, just to get just to get started. Um, what are you doing with yourself at the moment? Obviously, trying times at the moment. Um, yeah, it's a bit tricky times, obviously, with uh, with lockdown at the moment. Um, yeah, look, I probably at the moment just coaching local footy uh, with Caroline Springs Football Club, which has been. Uh, which has been great fun, a great challenge, and I've been enjoying that over the last four years. Obviously, didn't get to play last year, which was a bit of a dampener, mm. um, and then a bit of a half year, um, if you like, this year, which is, once again is a little bit, um, obviously, uh, you know, annoying for everyone, and a little bit uh, starting to get a bit debilitating and missing all this footy when everyone loves their footy so much. But um, we're getting through, and um, yeah, I'll go on there again next year. Hopefully, we get a clear look at it, and uh, we get to play. 18 games plus finals for the first time in, in, in a couple of years, which would be nice. Yeah. I'm doing a bit of online advertising. Our wife and I got a little business uh, with a bit of online advertising through social media and so, so forth as well. So we do that uh, very part-time on the side. But obviously life in some ways is, is a little bit on hold at the moment. But um, look, I am in some ways enjoying being at home with the kids and the family a little bit more often and enjoying some extra time with them. No, definitely. I mean, there some uh, there is perks to uh, there is perks to being at home, and obviously spending time time with the kids is always is always a positive one for sure. Um, but yeah, hopefully you do get back out there and um, for next season and get a full full season in there. Um, yeah, for sure. Now we'll, we'll jump straight into it. Um, injuries, yeah. ma- massive massive part of sport. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just wondering how, how early on did you experience your your first injury? Maybe prior to when you got drafted, was it? Uh, was it a big um, one or did you have any? Yeah, probably interesting. Look, I, cause I did a lot of little athletics um, coming through before football. And uh, I had that, I think it was called Oscar's bladders, the uh, uh, um, growing um, thing with your patella. Um, oh yeah. 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 Uh, and your knee. So I had that for 12 months when I was doing state um, uh, championships and, and uh, sprinting and, athletics and so forth and then um as i moved into footy that's when sort of more injuries came about the more sort of serious injuries but look i didn't have i I actually did have um um uh, a groin injury so um yeah when when i came through i think i was 15 or 16 um so uh, a bit of a groin injury and had an operation there when i was i think 16 um had a broken finger when i was 17 um missed a few weeks so I feel, look, I've, I've had a lot of injuries, actually. I've had a lot of injuries from the get-go. and um, uh, But lucky enough, I had a clear run at it um, into the, my draft year and uh, played every game and um, come out of that okay and obviously got drafted to Fremantle. So, yeah, but I'd, I'd say, you know, look, I had that little groin injury and, and a broken finger and I was able to, you know, get through. Obviously, the broken bones and fingers aren't too bad because it's sort of a four to four-week to six-week thing and you're back out um, playing again. Obviously, if you break a finger at AFL level in senior footy, they just wrap it up and away you go. <laughs> but you're straight back then on. when you're only 16, <laughs> when you're yeah. only 16, they, they don't sort of push these things um, too much. So, uh, But that was probably the first of it. I do remember, actually, when I got drafted, I did a good chunk of, uh, I think, four weeks of training and then I, I actually rolled my ankle quite badly um, yeah, as well. And so I think I was out for five weeks of training with a you know a, a grade three uh, ankle um, roll if you like and um, so that put me out of the pre-season a bit and I needed my fitness back in those days I was <laughs> I really needed it more than anything so it wasn't a, it wasn't a great start over there but um, but luckily it was pre-season it gave me time to get ready for uh, the start of the footy season as well oh, 
Yeah, no, for sure. No, it's, and especially at a young age, as you said, it's it's really important to, to get those right. As you said, with the AFL, yeah. they probably just strap yeah. it up and let you go back out there. But when you're growing and you're, yeah, you're trying right. to... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just, no, no. just while you were talking, I just remembered um, I did have a, a pretty bad hamstring injury that first year too. We actually had... Um, I started to get myself in reasonable nick and we actually had a... An ANSET cup, remember ANSET? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Used to be a little bit like Qantas. <laughs> sure um, So the pre-season cup was called ANSET Cup back in those days in 1998. And uh, we, we actually had a trip to South Africa. Um, and uh, we played Brisbane over there at, um, at one of the main grounds over there. Um, and um, that was exciting. As uh, I just turned 18 and we were over there and playing. You know, I, got, I actually got selected in the first set Cup game, and I was only just turned 18. Um, in those days, you could draft a 17-year-old, so I was a 17-year-old. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drafted. Mm. Only one, one player, um, one club could pick one 17-year-old, one player. At that oh, age. there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I was Fremantle 17-year-old, and um, yeah, I was in line for selection, got picked, and I went in, started on the bench and came on, and I probably had the best five-minute period <laughs> that I've ever played in football in the first – I think I was just that excited. Um, and I think I had five touches in five minutes and I tore my hamstring. Um, oh. like a, a really bad grade three hamstring tear. Yeah. Um, and um, that put me out of action uh, for seven weeks. So I was out of action. Uh, I went oh. on playing for seven weeks. And, uh, I would have been probably, based on um, my performance, I would have been right for round one, but that kept me out to sort of round five or six. And uh, I had to come back through. Obviously, the waffle uh, in my first year to, to get a bit of um, fitness and form and, and come back through uh, to obviously be selected for my first game. And I think it was around eight or nine, and then around, around nine, I think it was. So, um, so yeah, obviously, as you can see, I've had a few injuries, and yeah. I probably didn't remember these injuries till um, you asked me these questions. Uh, they're, they're going back a fair while now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. And you mentioned it was um, pretty early on in your career, up to 17, 18 years old. I mean, Yep. I mean, there's lots of rehab involved with with doing that, and I imagine mm. as you got as you got older, you sort of you, maybe you rehabbed a bit better. Did you? How did you go with the rehab mm. at, at such a young age as well, especially with a severe injury? Yeah, you kind of when you're young, you kind of just feel like you're bulletproof. Oh, it'll come right. Everything will be okay. So mm. you know, in those days, you know, um, you know, it was probably more of a casual sort of culture in that you know we're, we're there not just to play footy and win games but also there to have a good time as well so we were, especially at Fremantle it was just a new club everyone's pretty relaxed and Western mm. Australia being such a relaxed sort of um, state anyway and um, you know the, they love the Sunday sessions over there in the, in the pub <laughs> and all the rest of it but yeah. you know look I, I remember that night actually after doing my hamstring you know I went out with the guys and had a few drinks and nothing silly but like um, obviously not great for inflammation and recovery and um, um, it's the last thing you should be doing is having a few years after doing a, a grade three hammy tear but I was having a few drinks with the captain and the coach and, and these guys that night <laughs> at the local pub in, in Cape Town and um, yeah it was interesting but obviously when when you know as things evolved a little bit more as I got to Collingwood a more professional environment um, you know you'd literally you'd get fined if that happened <laughs> or you'd you know you'd be suspended for a month or something you know would happen to make sure that you're accountable for obviously the process and uh, the professionalism and the commitment to the cause and um, you know there was a lot you couldn't do when you're injured because you had to fast track that um, the rehab make sure you can get back playing as quickly as possible give yourself the best chance of obviously finishing off the year on a, on a good note helping your team Obviously, you put their best foot forward to, to play finals, whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, as you mm. said, it, times have times have changed so much since the <laughs> since those early, like the mid nineties, and now it's like a, a small little sip of anything, and <laughs> you're doing the yeah. wrong thing to do with any sort of injury. I mean, we all know that. Well, that's but, yeah. right. Mm. It's a yeah, it's well, amazing. There was, was kind of no rules back in those days, and um, you know, I, I remember even. In, a few of the boys would get in trouble um, on, on a weekend and we had a guy that was linked to the police force and he would go, no, nah, you'll be right, boys. You know, I've got this covered and he'd have a few connections there and make sure they get out of trouble. But now it's it's the opposite. It's You do one tiny little thing wrong and 
you're in the Herald Sun and you're in the papers and, and then you pop it for the next five or ten years. Every time something, a scenario comes up like that, your name gets brought up again. So um, it's a little bit different. You should be a bit more protected in those days, a little bit, get away with a little bit more these days. It's um, obviously, you know, there's, there's probably two journalists to every AFL player these days and everyone's looking for that next big story. And uh, Stories, yeah. it keep, certainly keeps the players on their toes. Oh, no doubt, no doubt at all. Like it's yeah, it's very highly scrutinised with all the with the journo's and the, there's so many people on you on you these days, and probably not as as much um, back then. Um, moving back, sort of into the, um, the 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 rehab side of things, and um, sure. either with your time at um, Fremantle or your time at Collingwood, did did you what did you sort of watch someone maybe maybe go through um, rehab as well, and did you take anything? Um, from them when I mean as a youngster you're probably you're probably very very new to the whole thing did you take something from maybe an older player that that you learned that what they were doing during their rehab um yeah look there was obviously a handful of um, players that you see have long-term injuries um uh, along the journey I think one was a Sean Rusling he he did it pretty tough with shoulders um mm. had the uh shoulder reconstruction and um, he was just an absolute star in the making he wasn't able to get out on the ground often enough and uh, he did everything right Look, he was able to come back at times and actually off the camp for a game come back in and get goals in AFL at, at a very young age and then he do his shoulder again and go back out but you sort of saw I kind of saw when he came through that uh, for a young guy to be able to train so hard and actually get himself in physically good condition and, and do everything possible to get himself back out there, you can actually come back, make it or create a bit of an advantage out of it. Um, mm. uh, and I saw that through Nathan Buckley when he had some chronic ha- hammy injuries. Yeah, that's right. Hammy injuries late in his career. Mm. Um, one thing that was probably um, g- good and bad or advantage or disadvantage for, for Nathan Buckley is he trained so hard so often that he... He kind of probably didn't let his body um, recover on certain occasions. <laughs> or sometimes he'd come back a little bit too early because he was just so cunning yeah. to get out there. And um, once he got the all clear, he was out. There was no, oh, we'll give it one more week ever. It was just, uh, <laughs> I'll bring it back this week and let's, let's go for it. So, but, you know, you sort of, sort of see a few different players and the way they go about their business. Um, Chris Egan was another one who had an ACL He'd probably self-admit that he didn't work hard enough to get himself back fitness-wise on, on, on the knee. Um, he wasn't too bad, but more so the fitness stuff. So when he got back, it was a little bit harder for him to actually get form and fitness and, and then get back into the team. But, um, you know, so you sort of you take bits and pieces from different players based on what you shouldn't do, what you can do, what they did there is uh, going to work really well for me. Uh, but I always saw, you know, being out injured, um, as uh, as a real advantage um, in some ways, try and put a positive spin on it um, and actually go, okay, well, if I can get myself stronger, mm. my core fitter, um, so when I get back, I can actually have an advantage. I'm going to be stronger than these guys. I'm going to be stronger through the core. I'm going to be harder to tackle. Once I do get my, you know, obviously cardio fitness at the level I want it, mm. then I can take a real advantage out of this. But um but yeah, early early in my career, I, I did probably treat rehab as you know as as well as what I should have done. And then later in the career, I was really you know really specific and really highly disciplined in my approach to that. Uh, I think in my last two years, when I had an Achilles injury, uh, and then coming off an operation, I literally I didn't drink one ounce of alcohol for my last three footy seasons at all. Didn't help me much because I still couldn't get out on the ground and didn't play much footy in those three years. Yeah. But, you know, look, I gave myself every chance. And, um, you know, looking back now, I did the right thing and and uh, gave myself every chance and uh, did everything right. It just wasn't for me. You know? So um, it's important, I think, you tick every box. And especially when you get to that elite level, you don't want to leave anything on the table and go, geez, I wish I had, a, you know, you've gone a bit harder with, rehab in that four-week period I could have come back two weeks earlier and then played that game one week earlier when we had a few injuries next thing you know you, you come back two weeks later and then you, you probably could have mm. you know the, you, the, the list is chock and block there's no injuries and there's no room for you next thing you know you missed your opportunity so you never know when something like that might happen and the sliding door situation works against you yeah no 100 percent. yeah you're right like if you do that if you do that work that that opportunity might pop up where maybe a guy's coming out and, and you can just slot 
you can get back into the team and, and sort of build your spot from there again. And then if you don't do it right, you, you sort of spend that extra time. And then you, as you said, may have um, missed yeah. that chance to get, to get back in the side, um, yeah. which is, which, which is quite big. And, and with, with the, I mean, I know you played at Fremantle and at Collingwood, you mentioned a bit of a culture change, not mentioned, not bad mouthing Fremantle or anything, but was there a drastic change when, when you did move over to Collingwood with the, with those side of things? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was, um, more the leadership uh, overall professionalism in the club certainly um, was a lot better at Collingwood at that point. So I remember Fremantle were a very young team at that stage. Still yeah, for sure. Play. Obviously, from from what you hear now, they're, they're one of the most professional clubs in the league. Um, you know, but um, I just think the leadership is, you know, it's still obviously highly rated, but in some ways is, you know, it's, 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 it's still underrated in a lot of ways. It sounds silly to say that, but Mm. Um, I mean, if I was if I was looking at drafting players as a list manager um, in in that side of things, I would, I would specifically be looking for not just good players but good people and lead potential leaders. Like, can this person be a potential captain of your footy club or a vice captain, or or at the bare minimum, could they be part of a leadership group in the future? And based on what you saw and what you've heard, and um, you know the history uh, in coming through the junior ranks. Uh, that, that's what I would be looking for. When I came to Collingwood, you had you know, Nathan Buckley, Scott Burns, the Paul Aguirre's, uh, and Shane Wakeland got there at the same time as me and James Tennant came over with me from Fremantle, who was, who was very young, but also one of our best leaders at Fremantle already. So we're starting to build this yeah. group of you know, very highly motivated individuals that thrived on leading. Parker Lockyer was another one as well. Um, so there, there was a whole host of there, There's probably five or six guys that could have captained any other team at that particular time uh, when I got there and um, and only got better as leaders as they went on. That was one of the things we, we kept ourselves accountable. It wasn't, you know, the players drove, uh, you know, the training standards, um, uh, the game plan a lot of the time as well, and we had strong discussions in and around that. Um, whereas, yeah, I think at Fremantle it was, you know, if we didn't win it was, Always because we weren't good enough. Uh, whereas, <laughs> yeah, you know, whereas at Collingwood it was strategically okay. How can we make this work? How can we get better? What can we do to, you know, challenge ourselves a bit more on the training track or on game day? Or how can we prepare ourselves better? They're always looking for an answer um, to the reasons why we weren't going well, and, and then mm. through obviously challenging ourselves through that leadership group, you'd find that there was always ways to improve, and we would get faster based on you know the care factor and, and the support well. yeah no i mean you can tell you yeah, can tell the difference obviously Fremantle being a young club as you said it's it, mm-hmm. it takes time for them to build and then mm-hmm. with collingwood look the names you're just reeling off then like that's that, mm-hmm. they i reckon any of those guys could to, could captain their own afl club during that during that time so you had a sounds like you had a lot of leadership there over there um mm-hmm. moving to your time in, in within collingwood did do you, do you remember what your most what a severe injury was when, when you were over at the Pies? Obviously, a bit a seasoned player now. Yeah, yeah it's probably an easy one because I had the Achilles tendinopathy, uh, tendinitis tendinopathy. Um, yeah. And um, I think that sort of started to get me at the end of 2005, where it was probably my best season, was my best season on form. Yeah. Um, and um, looking back now, because I probably had the best part of two years I didn't play in hardly any footy. Um, just because I was just, I had little cares, I had tendonitis and I had a little care. And then I just had so much drama all the time. And I just couldn't yeah, get out the training track. And when I finally got out there, then I wasn't quite fit enough to been off my legs. Um, and mm. then by the time I got myself fit, um, I started to get sore again. Um, and um, that was my worst injury out of all. And there was probably a couple of mistakes made by me and probably head staff at that time. Um, yeah, first and foremost, I shouldn't have been. Um, well, I did Dancing with Stars that year, end of 2005. So that's you know, right. Yeah. Now, I should. Have, I probably should have stayed off my legs, and it wasn't really hurting me while I was doing that. But I probably should have been completely resting it. It probably didn't give me a chance to mm. recover. Um, plus, I was training really hard during that period, and just I was an obsessed trainer in the off season. Uh, yeah. I used to do a lot of road running, and I used to just you know, get up in the morning and just go for a five k run or. Go to some sprint or, or whatever down the local oval, and yeah. I just train five or six days a week <laughs> in the off season, 
yeah. when everyone else is probably drinking or doing whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, that that came back. That helped me a lot because it fast tracked my fitness at a certain stage in my career, which when I really needed it. But then, obviously, when I had some niggling injuries, so I was a bit like Nathan Buckley in that way, whereas <laughs> he wouldn't stop for a niggle. You know, he'd just keep going and. Um, so, and, and I ran into a bit of trouble with that. So once I got that tendonitis, the next year I, I got through it in 2006, okay, had a good season, but I still missed five weeks um, right in the middle of the season and then came back and finished the year off pretty well. We played in the final against Western Bulldogs. And yeah. unfortunately, I got suspended in that final and I missed uh, five, six weeks to the start of the next season. Um, oh, and uh, yeah. the problem with having that injury then was we were trying to make a decision, do we have an operation do we get you to the specialist and have an operation potentially or mm. do we just rest it because we've got literally to march april next year to get this injury right from, from basically yeah. september right through so we've got six months to rest it and get it right build it up now the problem with that is i got to christmas and i can still feel the soreness and i'm saying look i'm yeah. only well, no money walking around i'm not running at the moment but everything i do i can feel it it's not bad but it's enough for me to know that it's not improving as Doc said, give it, you know, give it some time, have a bit of faith. Uh, got it right through to, I think, I think from the start of April, I think I might have started running or the end of uh, March. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, remember, I, I remember thinking after six months, pretty much off running. Yeah. I could feel the first session, I could still feel it. Now, uh, the physio mm. was saying, give it some time. It's because it's rigid and you haven't used it for a while and blah, blah, blah. And, Anyway, I, I got it. It started coming okay, and, and um, I got it back on track. It was still a little bit sore, but not too bad, and I, I got the strength back in it the way we went. I remember playing Hawthorne, um, my first practice game. It was two weeks before round one, mm. um, and I played that game, played really well. I thought, you, you beauty, I mean, the best players, I'm back in, ready to go for round one, and, and uh, Mick didn't select me. He thought I needed a bit more time to get my fitness, and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, you're kidding me here. I've done all this work to get this here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then I'm back in the VFL. Um, and um, so I thought oh, I'll give it a couple of games here. I go as hard as I can and away we go. And um, I ended up being there for a few weeks um, mm. and um, and got back into play, I think, at North Melbourne. Uh, but a couple of weeks leading into that North Melbourne game, I remember thinking, geez, I'm starting to get really sore again. Um, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I knew it was there. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to have to keep playing as best I can and play with a bit of soreness. And, I finally got back in. By the time I got back into around nine, it was the sorest I'd been all year. And I, and I was playing my first AFL game for the year. <laughs> oh. um, and um, yeah, shattering. It was 2007, I think, yeah, about around 90 or something like that. And I remember kicking a footy, uh, going to kick a footy, and I just tore my Achilles right when I'm about to kick it. And I, I've literally kicked the ball and it's gone straight along the ground. <laughs> and um, oh, no. the ball turned over and they kicked the goal, but down the other end. And I've come off the ground with my Philly sore, um, yeah. virtually crying in my hands. And, um, and Mick, Mick was going off his head um, at me half time. He, he went off his nana at me. And um, I, I think <laughs> I, the first time I actually went off back at him um, because oh, really? he was having a crack at me. Yeah, because he was having a crack at me. Turn the footy over. I go, mate. I've just yeah. my Achilles again. What do you want me to do? Like sort of thing, and um, and that was it. So I sort of, you know, I didn't play again. I think till really late that year. Come back really late. So I missed like ten weeks. Yeah, and um, so that was a shocking injury. And I probably need an operation in the end when you look back and didn't yeah. get it. Um, and then at the end of that year, I end up going to Sydney, seeing a specialist. Um, and then come back to Melbourne operation straight away. I actually had my Achilles tendon hanging by a thread. Um, and they said, I can't believe that oh. it didn't snap. So I obviously just chewed away at it for two years and it just yeah. gradually got thinner and thinner and thinner. It was hanging by a thread and uh, had to go and get the operation done. And, and then, yeah, and then away we went. Um, so, but um, yeah, it was, a, it was a long road. Got the operation done. This, I know this is a long-winded story, but this kind of no, just dragged great. on, dragged yeah. on. We went into 2008 um, and um, yeah, we um, got it right, um, came back. Um, and then I had uh, post-operation soreness. Um, oh. So it was a little bit like tendonitis from the, yeah. coming back a little bit too quick. Um, and the same thing happened again uh, the next year and played the preseason, played well. Uh, Mick didn't put me in. Um, 
got back got back later in in the in the really late in the year um, as to play after missing the bulk of the year through post operation soreness and tendonitis again. Mm. Um, I got back late in the year, played in the twos, played really really well. Got a BOG, I think around nineteen or twenty. Then they didn't put me in. I'm thinking, oh, that was my chance to get back in right before finals. Didn't put uh, me in. And then the yeah. next game, um, I'm thinking, I only need one more good game, and I'm back. And we've got finals coming up. Um, mm. We're in the top four, etc. Um, and uh, I was really excited. And um, uh, I think it was about halfway through the second quarter in the VFL, I tackled a guy and he landed on my forearm and I broke my wrist. So, and I just held my arm and I thought, no, I'm all right. I kept running around for two minutes with a broken arm thinking, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. And I'm thinking, no, this isn't right. And then I jogged off got it checked and they said, oh, I think you've done something here. And I go, no, I think I'm all right because I was holding it together. It felt okay once you held it. I'm, going, I'm right, I'm right. I went to jog back out and I just ran straight back off. Thought, no, this is no good. And it turns out I actually had a, a Galeazzi fracture. So it was um, a break and a dislocation at the same time. Um, so straight to the hospital, yeah. straight in to have the operation the next night or the next day. And literally, I reckon if I had just got through that game, I would have been playing finals, um, um, which would have been nice. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. And um, that was uh, the end of me. I just knew if I didn't finish the year out and play well at the end of that year, I was probably going to be gone. Because when you look at it, I missed uh, five games 2006, most of 2007, and then, and then 2008 uh, as well. Um, did that Achilles. And uh, yeah, I mean, at 28, Three years in a row of injuries, they weren't going to go on with me again. I probably needed, um, you know, the situation now where you, you can obviously, um, um, you know, with contracts, obviously you can you can you can go to a new club if you get delisted. They're going to delist you. At a certain yeah, that's time. right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So um, free agency, and um, you know, so that if that had been around, I probably would have got to another club in those mm. days. Uh, but because they left it late. For, Obviously, I wanted to stay on. They left it late and be with me late. It was just too, too late to go to another club at that stage. So, uh, so in the end, I finished at 28, and um, you know it was a bit disappointing, really, because you look back at 2005, 2006. It was the best two seasons of my career: 2004, mm. 2005, 2006. Finished fifth in the best and fairest. 2004, 2005, finished second. I was a favourite and finished second. 2006 yeah. had a really good year, even though I missed five games in the middle of the year. Mm. And really, that I was just starting to get fitter and better and more confident. Sounds like you're on the incline there, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. and then all of a sudden, boom! You know, the injury just just held me back. And if I, you know, I felt like I had another four or five years, I, you know, I could have played two hundred games, two hundred plus games, potentially won a best and fairest, and you know, been a life member at the club. But it's just, yeah, these things come to buy you. But in saying that, you know, like I, I had pretty poor form at Fremantle at one stage, and I probably could have. <laughs> I could have probably been maybe delisted back then. So you sort of take the good with the bad and had a good run and yeah. had a lot of injuries. But, you know, these these injuries obviously make you better in, in life. They, you know, they, they make you more determined, more motivated and um, being able to get through and challenge yourself through those periods and how not come out the, the other side. They make you uh, give you a skilly mindset for other things in life as well. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. And um, the back end of your career sounds like it was a lot, lots going on there with, with the injuries. And look, how do you sort of, yeah. how do you sort of deal with that, that mentally, knowing that you're mm. trying to get back in the team? And I know in, not, I mean, injuries aren't just all physic, physical stuff. Mm. You, you still got to yeah. look after yourself mentally. How did you, trying to get back in the team, how did you deal with that, like the mental side? Yeah. Yeah, the mental side. Look, I was pretty good on the on the mental side of things. I I was pretty determined, sort of a character. So although it sort of ate away at me, like I was pretty good at going, okay, what's what's next? What do I have to do today? Mm. Um, you know, a little bit baby steps, not thinking about three months away when I'm going to play my first game, but thinking, you know, what can I do today? Um, and let's let's get stronger. Let's get fitter. Um, let's focus on the training session at hand. Uh, really focus on okay, what's my goal here? My goal is to okay, I want to swim two two k in this time in the pool. I want to be able to bench press 150 kilos as a max bench press by the start of February next year. If I can do all those things, then it's going to be a lot easier once I get back into full training to actually uh, get myself right. You know, focus on looking really good and fit as well. 
Well, the one thing I always I found quite early in my career is just going away from the injury side of things. Is, yeah. Is if you come back from a off season, um, come back or from an injury for that matter, mm. and you've you're physically out there in February and everyone's got the shirts off doing their running or whatever. And they're looking, geez, look at that player there. Look, what's he been doing in the off season? What's he been doing in the gym while he's been in rehab? He must be working his ring off because I can visually see the changes in your body shape. And I, I actually, it sounds a bit silly, but I used to use that as a driver so I could influence the coach's mindset to go, this guy is doing the work. Um, obviously you have to do the work to get the results mm. to visually see them do that but if they can visually see your body shape they can visually see you training harder than most and running on top of the ground and, and beating guys in the running or the time trial when you've been injured for after pre-season they're going to go this guy's a big tick for me yeah. I'm going to put him you know in at round one if we get the opportunity so uh, they're little things that you, you kind of have to play mind games with yourself <laughs> and with the coaches and yeah. with your, your whole situation to, um, you know, there's a few little tricks there that you've got to use to keep yourself moving forward and and, um, and when you get into that position uh, to obviously put your, uh, give yourself the best chance of obviously getting you back in as quickly as you can. Yeah, no, definitely. And with his, as you said, with the, with the coaches, it then that does good things with the playing group as well. And then that just in, mm. in, enlightens the, the whole group and everyone's playing playing better, training mm. better, and it sort of flows on from there and it'll go, go off into the season, which is, which is, which is yeah. what you want as a, as a footy club. You want to be playing the best footy you can with, with everyone. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's yeah. fantastic. Um, as you said, with the motivational side of things, uh, yeah. with with some young guys coming into the the AFL at the moment, it's obviously a pretty pretty difficult time at the moment. What, what would you tell these guys, sort of coming through through the ranks at the moment, to do to deal with their injuries or or to deal with the times that are going on at the moment? How how what what advice would you give them? Uh, look, I, I think you would probably want to keep it fairly simple with those guys, and um, they're in that position for a reason in the first place. They've obviously they are motivated individuals. They are already talented individuals. I would, I would just say, just, just keep what you've got. Um, use what you've used in the past to get to where you are. Um, just, just, just take it to the, to the next level. Take, let's take that silly mindset. Let's take that work ethic at training. Take it to the next level, um, and just go in and, and, and really learn from your leaders around you more than anything. Have a look at what, so if I, you know, if you sent someone down to um, Collingwood, someone got drafted to Collingwood this year, you, you might be going, okay, well, watch watch the habits of a Scott Pendlebury and a Taylor Adams. You know, if you're a defender, you might go, what does Darcy Moore do to get himself prepared and right? What is he doing in the preseason? Mm. Who's your, you know, if you're an elite endurance athlete, find out who the top five runners are at the club and go, okay, well, I want to hang on the back of this guy and every time I do a run, I, I want to be just behind him just chasing him all the time and by the end of the preseason, maybe really challenging him in, in the running capacity or running uh, drills. Um, so just little things like that. Yeah, I think the big thing is just learning as much as you can when you get to a club. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it be from fitness, uh, strength and conditioning in general, uh, skill set, um, just, you know, in terms of uh, learning about blueprints, game plans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, get around the right people uh, as much as you can. I think, Probably the one thing that I did do when I was around 21, 22, probably, I, I said to myself, look, um, I've got to get fitter. I've got to do more. I started to get myself more motivated um, yep. around about that age. But I consciously made a decision that I wanted to hang out. And I probably haven't really told these guys yet, but what I did do <laughs> is I, I, I uh, hung around um, Scott Burns, uh, Nathan Buckley, um, Paul Curia, and these guys, and I, and I just... I learnt from conversation. Uh, so we used to go to you know cafes in in, in middle uh, middle park and the Albert Park a lot. Uh, and uh, after training or after recovery or whatever it was, and we'd go hang out, have lunch, have coffees, and um, whatever the case may be. And I'd just sit in the background and I'd ask a lot of questions, and uh, they probably wouldn't have even known what I was doing. But <laughs> it was a bit of a strategy of mine um, to actually get in the, you know in their ear and. Um, you know, ask a lot of questions and learn as much as I could uh, just through general conversation. And I think that's where you learn most when people have their guard down, when yeah. they're being natural, then they're being themselves. Um, and you can pick up little things uh, along the way. Um, I sort of 
you know, saw what Paul Lecuria was doing uh, as a tagger um, mm. and as a two-way running player, super fit, you know, physically fit. Um, and um, I like his values off the field as well as on the field. Like he's a very selfless footballer, but he's a selfless person, very likable person, a good bloke. Uh, everyone at the club loved him. I like what he was about as a person. So I kind of wanted to, you know, as a young guy coming through, go, okay, well, I'd like to not just be like him as a bloke in terms of you know, values and principles as a person, but also I want to play like him. Because I think if I can play that way, mm. um, that's probably, you know, similar to, to who I think I can potentially be based on my body strength and my fitness and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's probably the other thing is not just learning off your leaders, but going, okay, I'm my own person and I want to end up my own player. Um, and end up my own person in life in general, but also go, I see myself playing like this person, being like that particular player. Um, now I need to sort of work out what habits they've got on the training track in rehab or um, in training, in the gym, whatever the case may be. If I can stimulate that uh, in the best, as, as best I can and really just you know zone in on what they're doing and, and basically be a really a good copycat and then you're yeah. going to put yourself in a really good position to be playing footy sim- similar to them or, or like they are. And, and in the end, I became a tagger like Paul Curia was. And yeah. and um, I was probably known as one of the most selfless players. I wasn't really worried about getting a kick or kicking a goal myself. I was worried about making my teammates better. And mm. and through that, through that uh, profile as a player, you know, I got respect from my teammates, through the opposition, and uh, from the coaching staff. More importantly, and I got a game. I was picked. I was picked every week based on on those aspects. Um, so yeah, you've got to have a plan. I think when you go in, you can't just go in and just go. Um, but I think it's important when you get to a club and you first draft it is <clears throat> it's hard to have a plan straight away. You you kind of got to feel yeah. your environment. You got to have a look around you. You got to ask lots of questions and feel feel the environment and feel you know, where do I fit? Uh, what do I need to do? How do I see myself fitting into this team? Because you might be a midfielder coming through, but you might go, geez, well, I've got, you know, David Mundy, Nat Fife, and uh, Caleb Sarong, and all these guys at Fremantle coming through. How do I fit into that midfield? Probably not going to happen if I'm being realistic next year. For um, sure, yeah. Could, but, you know, let's start on working as a half-forward forward pocket or even a winger uh, initially. Um that's my best way in. And then maybe, you know, working out a, a strategic, or strategically working out a way to get yourself in the team through those positions. And so, yeah, you do have to have a plan, but um, feel your way through the club initially and work out where you fit and, and then decide on, you know, what your strategy is uh, from that point onwards. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's really great insight. It's amazing how, um, how, how much extra stuff there is. And it's not all just about, not all just about kicking a football or handballing a ball or marking it. It's there's so much, so much mental game to it and, and learning off others. And you got to remember when you, when you come into a team, it's just the players that you're playing with are just other people and you can, you can really learn off anyone. And that, I mean, that's, that's some really great insight there. That's, that's, that's wonderful. I'm sure some of the listeners will definitely take um, something from that as well. So that's, that's absolutely wonderful. So to, fi- to finish off the, the podcast, uh, what we like to do on here is go through and we do a bit of a draft. So um, um, so say one of us picks first and then uh, we've got, and then, then say I would pick two and three and then you would pick number four and mm-hmm. five and we go go down a bit of a, a snake kind of way down the, down the ladder till we've both had five picks each. Um, mm-hmm. I thought what we do is um, just pick some of our, our favourite AFL or VFL, AFL iconic moments that you can remember. Um, doesn't have to be from your career. Can be absolutely, absolutely anything you like. Um, could be, yeah, cool. could be very different. So now I'll give you the option. Would you like to have the first pick or would you like me to have the first pick? I'll give you the, give you the option. Oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you the opportunity to have first pick, Jake. You, you go for it, mate. You, I'll, I'll get warmed up while you uh, give me your number one. How's that sound? No worries. Sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. Now, I don't know if I've told you this. I'm actually an avid, I'm avid Geelong fan. So um, I'm going to be a bit biased here with, with this first pick um, and mm-hmm. go and go with uh, the 2009 grand final. Uh, the the Matty Scarlet toe poke is uh, something that <laughs> sticks out. It sticks out in my mind. Um, 
you just you wouldn't yeah, think yeah. you wouldn't think of that <laughs> just a little toe poke gets the job done gets the essentially wins the flag um and, and funnily yeah. enough it ended up on uh ended up on the ESPN moments of the week for that that week and I know Maddie Scarlett was a massive fan of uh, ESPN so he's yeah. pretty happy yeah. happy with that one so yeah I have to be a bit biased yeah, and go with, go go with that one to start with. Yeah, that was that was a huge moment. No question about that. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I didn't like it very much, I must say, because <laughs> uh, I wasn't a big Geelong fan. But uh, huge moment in, in, in the grand <laughs> final, definitely. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's it. All right. Um, let's go with your first pick. What, what are you what, what are you thinking? Have you got something off the top? Yeah, look, I, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, Heathshaw Smother. Um, oh uh, Nick yeah. Rewalt in the uh, repeat grand final um 2010 yeah. so that was a huge moment I, I think when that happened you kind of just knew this is uh collingwood's day um you mm. know in, in your head you're going well it, it, things are going our way here this, this is looking amazing at, at, for us at the moment that 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 was big you know and uh, I'll, try, I'll try not to keep too many of these uh, Collingwood, but it's going to be hard for me because obviously I'm a bit like you. I'm biased towards my uh, black and white, as you are your cat as well. But uh, That's it. it is a bit difficult. Yeah. But yeah, no, anything yeah. good. But yeah. yeah, no, definitely iconic moment. That's for sure. It's sort of a massive, massive, massive moment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now you got the you got the next one as well because so, we're going down. Yeah, I got the next one as well. Okay, yeah. number three. Okay, so actually I'll go off the Collingwood path, but I, I, I I'm thinking of Mark. Um, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Spectacular mark. Um, um, but I was I was initially thinking Jezelenko. That was a good mark, but I'm not going to go with that one now. <laughs> I've changed my mind. Um, that was an iconic moment. But um, because I wasn't around at that stage, I I'm going to go with the Nick Rewalt mark. That mark. Uh, I think it was against Sydney when he went back with the flight. Um, Up at the SCG. Yeah. Uh, SCG. That was like. And that was right at the start of his career. And I always remember seeing that and, and thinking at that stage, that is, that is not only the best mark that I've ever seen, it's the most courageous mark that I've ever seen. To be able to run flat out at that pace and then launch yourself into the air against the grain um, defensively, not knowing who's leading up at the footy and take a clean mark uh, all the way to the ground and hit the ground <laughs> with it in your arms is yeah. just... In, incredible and um and I, I suppose some of these ones obviously have are great not just great actions but great moments in big games that not mm. necessarily was a big game but i think um that'll go down as one of the most the best and most great marks of all time i would have thought oh for sure i i actually don't think it gets talked about and nearly is enough mm. than, than it than it mm. should and like as you said there's so much in that mark that it's yeah uh, it's an amazing, it's an amazing piece of vision when you when you That's first right. look at it. So, all right, um, my next pick, uh, I'm gonna, it's it's to do with footy, but I'm gonna go. Um, um, it was a, a pretty, pretty interesting moment, pretty fantastic moment, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. When Jason McCartney came back and and played his his first, mm. he, he got got back and, and uh, after after those horrific events. Uh, over in Bali, and he got back uh, yeah. to play. And um, obviously, he, he, kicked, he kicked a goal late in the last quarter and set up one um, later on to win the game. So um, I just thought yeah. that that one really sticks sticks with me. And I, I always seem to remember yeah. that one for, for some reason. It's just yeah. um, the drive and the motivation he must have had um, to not only oh. to help those people and then not only to then get over all the burns that he, that he had and come back and yeah. play what is one of the most grueling, grueling sports that you can play and, and get back yeah. successfully. And look, it was almost fitting that he, that he retired that moment as well. It yeah. was, he, he put in yeah. the work and, and done that. So, I mean, yeah, had to get that one, had to get that one in, which was. Uh, yeah, that was huge. It's sort of, yeah, we've all sort of forgotten about that one a little bit, but at the time that was just a huge thing. Obviously the whole um, Bali bombing thing just Im impacted um, us. I know a few of the Melbourne players were there. I had a couple of mates that were there. Fremantle players were there as well. Um, so I knew a few people that were all over there and how bad that whole scenario was. Um, and then, you know, just to have an inspiring story on the back of that. Uh, yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, a one, yeah it's a wonderful moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now I'm going to go go off the uh, the mark that you, you sort of, you mentioned mm. before. I'm going to go with... Mm. I'm going to see, I'm going to go biased again now. <laughs> so, feel, so feel free to go. Of course feel, you are. Feel free to go a few more Collingwood ones, but this is, this is, um, 
the great man Gary Abbott Senior, uh, the mark yeah. or not a mark, as it were, um, on top of yeah. uh, was Gary Pert um, in the square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't don't think it was a mark, and looking back at it, it, probably doesn't look like a mark. But hey, it was it was paid, and yeah. I think it was given mm-hmm. mark of the century. I think. Um, at that point, I think it was actually, yeah. Well, if he held it, I reckon it was. Um, <laughs> that's still debatable whether he held it or not. But look, I, I actually wasn't much of a Geelong fan. Uh, yeah. But in saying that, when they played, you know, Hawthorne in all those finals, I hated Hawthorne a hell of a lot more than Geelong. Um, that's saying something. Um, uh, but I always just was obsessed with watching Gary Ablett Senior, even though I hated Geelong. Like, yeah. He was just a freak. And you just wanted him to kick back. It was just so much fun to watch. Um, and, you know, it was uh, it was nearly like they, everyone, want, everyone wanted Gary Ablett to kick back uh, when they were watching him, regardless, unless it was against your own team. But, um, yeah, what a great mark. Um, you know, I remember having a, having a laugh at Purdy one time about that mark. All the boys at, at the club at Collingwood used to give him a bit of stick every time they had a chance. I think he got sick of it after a while. But, um, um, yeah, what a mark. Fantastic. Unbelievable. Um, I'm, I'm really. sure he still gets stuff to I'm sure he gets stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. still to this day, I yeah. reckon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, so over to me. Over to me, is it? Over to you for the next couple, yep. Over to me. Uh, well, I'd have to say, I'm going to go with a couple of grand final moments. Yep, uh, here. I, I think the one is um, 1990, uh, Collingwood um, win their first um, for, I think it was 32 years, if I can re- if I remember rightly. Yeah. Uh, but just the mo- that's that moment at the, gr- the end of the game when it's been so long, so many losses in grand finals uh, and in finals for Collingwood. The Polly Wobbles got their name through, obviously, <laughs> that period, and they've finally, finally broken that drought. Yeah. Um, and then to see Darren Mullane throw the ball up at the end when oh, they won, yeah. that, that, that was an iconic moment when they finally won it, the ball goes up and um, and then looking through back now uh, in the archives and what happened with Darren Mullane, mm. it just, you know, it just, it's just a really important moment uh, for, for the Collingwood Footy Club. Um, so uh, I'd like to go with that one. Yeah, wonderful um, moment. Yeah, look, I... I'll go with another grand final moment. I'll steer away from Collingwood uh, for my next one. Uh, yep. What number are we up to here, by the way? What is it, about seven or something, is it? Or yeah, this is number seven, um, yeah. This is your fourth, yeah. Um, I'm going I'm to go with, with this year's grand final um, yeah. with, with Melbourne. Uh, being you know, 57 years, uh, 21 years since they've been in the grand final, uh, 57 um, since they've actually won one. Um, and just no specific moment. I just reckon that whole thing of them just, you know, obviously finally getting it right after so many years, the club have been through so much, you know, they've probably been the whipping boy of the competition, you know, all the jokes about caviar and champagne and Range Rovers and, and all the rest of it. And I must admit, I was on, on you know, obviously driving a lot of those jokes uh, to some of my Melbourne mates along the way. A good mate of mine, Russell Robertson, yeah, uh, we grew up playing footy in Tassie there for a couple of years and stayed close mates. Um, I was just wrapped to see him uh, finally get it. Um, Rod Grinter, I've had a lot of involvement with with uh, VFL club and some other things as well, and just to see how important it was and the yeah. passion behind getting that win. So just the whole build up to that and seeing some friends and people in and around how important it was to them, um, and to get it done the way they got it done in the end. So comfortably um yeah it's just a, it's just a great moment for the for the melbourne footy club um they've, they've done it pretty tough <laughs> so, oh for yeah a long time now <laughs> for a long time and, and look i was nearly going to throw the bulldogs one in there um oh yeah true. that was probably pretty special in 2016 and but um you know that was probably somewhat similar as well but you know i went with the melbourne one because it's fresh in the mind and obviously i had some close connections to the melbourne footy club and it was great to do to see them so well, and it was just a, um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a shattering, I suppose, for Nathan Jones in some ways, oh, yeah. shattering and ha- happiness, and you know, shattering at the same time in the same breath um, that he wasn't able to get out there and play, and probably just uh, a year or two too late for him. Um, you know, he nearly hung on for it, but wasn't quite to be. But uh, what a great moment for the footy club! 
Oh, it certainly was. And you saw all everything on social media and all the all the ex players. You're like, it, mean, it means yeah. so much. Means so much to them after even not not getting there themselves. Yeah. It's it just shows that there really is a club atmosphere, and they just they just want the best for for the club that they played for. As I'm sure you want the best for the yeah. pies as well. That's so right. like, it's it, it, right. yeah, you stay close to the club, which which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my fourth one, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go grand final as well. Um, and I'm going to go, I'm going to Wayne Harms now. Oh yeah. (laughs) There's a a lot of, again, unsure of whether the ball was in or not. I'm sure if you ask (laughs) everyone else, but, uh, that was, that was an amazing piece of play. Um, just to, to have the awareness to, to, to get to the ball after, after it's been kicked and then hit it into the middle, whether yeah. it was out or whether it That's wasn't, right. and to set up a, a grand right. final win. That, yeah. that was, uh, again, another iconic piece of uh, piece yeah. of a moment there. But, oh, yeah. Um, Massive, yeah. I, mean, I think it was uh, a metre a outside the boundary. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as we know in this in this fine game of ours, it's, it's not... It's not. Um, it's what the result is at the end of the day, regardless of what the umpire says. And there's there's always three or four moments in games which uh, should have gone the other way. Um, you've got to be five goals better than the opposition, just in case you have a bad run with the umpires. <laughs> that's 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 the name of the game. Um, so uh, that's it. That's well done. That that's, you. that's it. Um, all right. For my my last one. I'm going to go very, very left field here. And I only remembered this the other day because I was looking up stuff to, to sort of talk about um, with you as well. And I think yeah. you, you may have been in this game where, where Peter Carey took a mark uh, in, um, at Subiaco back in, I can't remember what year it was. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the umpire took a mark yeah. 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 <laughs> about yeah. half back. And <laughs> it was a, yeah. one, of the weirdest, one of the weirdest moments <laughs> of all time. Yeah, do, you yeah, re- yeah. do you remember at all where you were? I, I do remember. Know? I think it was actually too far from the action uh, from memory. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I think if you go to the footage, I think I was in the, in the background there somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, it was just bizarre. Because I remember, I think it was... Um, I'm pretty sure it was Adrian Fletcher kicked the ball, yeah. um, and he he sent it a little 45 inside kick to Brad Wirra, who was yep. just right there, ready to mark it on the chest. And somehow the umpire got caught just in front of him, and it looked like he was about to slip. And um, it was just how do I get out of the way here? And then instead of getting out of the way, it's all too late. I'll just take the mark. I know that was weird. outrageous. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, well, we had a bit of a laugh about that one after the game, and uh, something that I've never seen in footy before, um, before that, yeah, and haven't seen it after, I haven't seen that after. So, um, but uh, very, very interesting, uh, nevertheless, <laughs> it always pops up on, on the, on the, uh, you know, archives every now and then. For, oh, for sure, um, yeah, on the highlight reel, yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't as if he was like a a new umpire or anything. He'd almost umpired three hundred games yeah. at that point, and yeah, yeah, no, it's certainly something you don't see, yeah, for sure. But yeah, just yeah. just yeah, something I had to get in there, and I saw that you're involved yeah. in it, so I had to get it in there. Had to get it in the, yeah, the, the draft, yeah, for for That's sure. Fine. Um, all right, you got you got the last pick here. Um, um yeah, I'm just I was a little bit stuck on this one. I'm just thinking but i i reckon yeah. i'm gonna to have to go with the, the mick mcguan goal that he took out of the middle of the ground oh and he yeah took several bounces <laughs> all the way through a couple of dummies and that last dummy at yep. the end um you know look he would have run he's, he's run a good 100 meters with the ball <laughs> bouncing it and he as you know mick mcguan he would just bounce it every five meters when you, you don't have <laughs> yeah. to it's every 10 strides mick but he just likes <laughs> to bounce it because it I think it, he thought it looked good, um, <laughs> but um, to take it all the way. Tell me, was that an uh, Anzac Day game? Look, I probably should have researched a little bit better, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was, a, it was an Anzac Day game. Um, I have to go back to the archives for that, but we'll, we'll check. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was that was huge. That that was uh, you know, it's got to go down to one of the best goals of all time. And there's some probably better goals in the sense that they're trickier to kick. Yeah, uh, from the the your boot through the goals but to be able to take it straight out of the center like that and run all the way i mean you just you know and not just kick it from 55 on the run but you know like a clear run kick but actually weaving your route way in and out of players and walking around a couple of players and then 
getting yourself to 30 meters from goal that actually be able to have a shot at goal that that was that was huge um so uh definitely an iconic moment in the game and also a collingwood moment even better <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it that's it no that 100 percent. i'll just before before we before we finish up you're still heavily involved watching watching the the pies and, and everything like that like to when we can get the games yeah you, you get like to do that definitely am obviously massive uh collingwood man still and uh i've brainwashed my kids into being collingwood supporters uh my daughter's perfect uh and and sons love their footy my daughter probably loves their footy more than the boys and she um she she gets a bit upset when they lose um <laughs> obviously with the whole covid stuff but like i've just lost a little just a smidgen of interest um in watching as many games as what i used to for whatever yeah. reason but i still religiously watch every single collingwood um game um and um you know, once the finals came, I was really excited for the finals this year. Because for whatever reason, I just wasn't right into the for the first time. I wasn't watching as many games as what I normally would. But as soon as the finals came, I was really excited. But yeah, still watch all the Collingwood games. Still get into the mode quite often. Pack my Collingwood jumper on and a scarf on while I watch. Love just it. to fire the kids up as well. <laughs> uh, just a bit disappointing that uh, Collingwood weren't obviously going as well this year, and obviously had a a few hiccups with uh, salaries and all the rest of it over the last 12 months, but um, hopefully they can get back on track. It's, uh, it's hard to watch when your team's not going well. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, sometimes prefer not to watch it at all <laughs> when they're not going well. It's hard, very hard to watch indeed. Um, but um, what about yourself, Jake? Do you think the, the Cats are going to keep going through and continue their winning form and actually being able to, win a couple of finals games um what, what do you think mate? oh yeah i know it's it's, mm. it's getting a bit interesting with the whole i know geelong's mm. always in the the media for um the, the whole the age bracket that that we've currently mm. currently have and have mm. a lot of guys over 30 and um mm. i think yeah it's it's getting to the point where it's gonna need to finish i mean it's been a pretty yeah. uh, it's been a long time since we've probably mm. uh, dropped out of the dropped out of the eight really mm. i mean it's I mean, but you would have liked a little bit more success, I guess. But um, I think yeah. I think we've got one more year of um, challenging, and I think then mm. it may you may get like the the, the Hawkins, the Selwoods, and possibly the Dangerfield sort of petering off. Yeah. Um, and you sort yeah. of hopefully we can bring in the the new guys um, through this year, and yeah, um, with like Narkel who signed on for a year, so hopefully we can get him into the fold yeah. a bit more, and guys like Parfit and mm. stuff too. So. Hopefully there's a little bit of progression there, which would be nice. But yeah, I think we've got one more chance at, at yeah. trying to challenge, and then I think it'll be uh, uh, back to the yeah. back to the rebuilding rebuilding phase with some of the young guys yeah. we have. Yeah. I mean, we've had some great players, so I can't complain. But mm. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. that's, that's I mean, where it, we're at. They have a crack at Geelong, but at the end of the day, look, you, you, if you've got a full squad, you get no injuries. You you know Jeremy Cameron plays a full year with no you know interruptions. There's, um, I think the big one for Geelong for me is they just need to, a, a, a dominant tap ruckman. You know, Stanley is, is a key position player playing ruck and he does a pretty solid job. But when he gets put under pressure against the Monsters, they can't. When you've got Selwood and Dangerfield and these guys and Duncan at ground level, um, if you had a, a gun tap ruckman like a Zorn or a Grundy or, or, or the like, um, I think they would have probably won one in the last few years, uh, another one. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that's um, that's for them to work it out. Uh, everyone's an <laughs> armchair expert, aren't they? You, oh, you know, whether you've, no whether you've played the game or not, we're all experts. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, good luck to them for next year, anyway. That's that's it. Not so much luck. <laughs> you still still have the dislike there, do we? <laughs> yeah. Don't like, don't dislike them as much as what I used to when they were beating us in preliminary finals by seven points and things like uh, that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. No, no that's it. it. It's healthy to be disliked. It means that's true. Right. That's mm. true. And to the pies as well. I mean, you've got the new coach, so hopefully, mm. uh, it's only mm. upward there. You got a lot of lot of good young players as well yeah. so a lot of young guys coming through so i think there's a lot of positives and upsides yeah. to the buyers in the few yeah. in the coming years yeah i think what they they in the end last year is probably getting into the draft and getting five kids four five kids in that sort of under 45 in the draft and a lot of a lot of the recruiters labeling one of the best drafters and if not the best in 20 years um that's probably going to be a really launch pad pitch scenario for them um 
you know, you've got those guys that have already played senior footy in their first year and they're going to be better for the run next year. And I think there's some guys there that can replace, uh, you know, the Pendlebury's and the Jamie Elliott's and um, with McCreary and, and, uh, and these guys. So, yeah, I, I think they've done, they've, it could be a bit of a blessing in disguise what's happened uh, in that they've relaunched and, you know, um, ready to go again. Uh, maybe not next year, but the year after, I reckon they'll be ready to launch with that new young group, I think. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. No, there's, 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 yeah, as you said, a lot of upside. And I think, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, you got a, got a cat's boy now, uh, the big, big Nathan Kruger. I don't know if you saw, yeah, saw that one. Yeah, you should yeah be, I saw that. Yeah, should, so should, fingers crossed. There you another, go as well. <laughs> another nice key piece there for you. But yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, that'll just that'll just about do us for, for another episode. Um, like, like to, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing your insight and information and, and whatnot. It's been absolutely great having you on. Thanks um, for having me, Jake. I appreciate it. And all the best with the, with the podcast and hopefully it goes well. And uh, yeah, we'll see you hopefully in future. Yeah. Thanks so much. Sounds, sounds good. Um, so yeah, remember to, to like, share and, and subscribe on our Facebook at Under Pressure Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Under Pressure One underscore. And uh, be sure to subscribe to uh Wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, TuneIn app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or the Podbean app, it all really helps out. Um, that's it here from the Under Pressure Podcast, and we'll see you on the next. <laughs>